0: Welcome to episode 77 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian and I both watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, Aftermath. Christian watched the Netflix original Space Force. I watched a documentary on Netflix called Longshot. But first, Christian, you and I both watched Aftermath this week. Now, this is directed by Elliot Lester, who i have not actually i don't even i don't think i've ever even seen a preview for his other movies There, sleepwalker nightingale blitz and love is the drug have you heard of any of those never heard of any of them and it stars arnold schwarzenegger who is by far the biggest name uh and then scoot mcnary maggie grayson martin donovan uh three people who also i have not heard of before
1: so i have heard of two of those people i don't know martin donovan uh scoot mcnary was in a few things that i know but most recently he's in the new uh hbo series love life with anna kendrick that i just started so i spent like 45 minutes of this movie wondering where i had literally just seen him and it's i just watched the first couple episodes of that like two days ago
0: okay so he is in other things (laughs) and this movie And maggie grace Uh,
1: most recently was just in the amazingly bad movie hurricane heist
0: didn't see that one either. <laughs> so the this movie is apparently very loosely based on a true story, and I want to get into at least the quick facts I looked up of the true story. Once we talk about this movie, to sh- see where there's like some discrepancies. Uh, but the idea of this movie is that Scoot McNary plays an air traffic controller who accidentally. Uh, fails to warn two planes from crashing crashing into each other. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's da- pregnant daughter and wife were immigrating to the country on one of those planes. They both died. And then, really, this story it t- goes in a direction I didn't think it was going. It was mostly just looking about how both of their lives were destroyed and is pretty depressing.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is not what I'd expected. Like, when you told me it was like going to be a Schwarzenegger movie, I was picturing. Something much more action based, like something with like a Taken vibe, where this air traffic controller was like maliciously did this or something, and Schwarzenegger has to exact vengeance. And like right at the beginning, where the the guys are like, "Hey, don't come to work tomorrow." I was I was trying to figure out like, "Ooh, are these guys up to something?" And no, they were just nice trying to give Schwarzenegger the day off.
0: Right, like it's a very human. It's like a it's a drama and. You said Taken. I remember seeing previews for this. This came out in 2008, so I, I don't know what I happened to be watching when I saw the previews. But the vibe I got from the previews was he was going to hunt down the air traffic controller who killed his daughter. And while there is an element to that, that is not the primary focus of this movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's even that's even like the hook that it gives on Netflix. It says something about like the, the man whose family was killed in this Makes it his mission to hunt down the air traffic controller responsible. And I was, I read that again at the end and I was like, not really.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, I, so, uh, I, this really is just a character study of two people going through just tragic circumstances, right? Um, Scoot McNary because he caused the death of two hundred and seventy some people, and Arnold because he lost his entire family. And I think both guys do a really good job, but I was legitimately surprised at other than one scene, one or two scenes, how well Arnold played like an anguished character. Like he, he barely speaks, but he does a great job like showing these emotions, which you don't normally see from him.
1: It's true. This is very much not like a typical Arnold Schwarzenegger performance. And I was pretty impressed like you
0: the the i say i think his worst scene was and i don't know if this is him or not but when they basically tell him that his family dies like that entire scene seems stilted he like stood up didn't like he asked like a question but it was like off but then the next scene he was basically in the hospital portion of the airport or whatever and he actually looked anguished and for the rest of the movie like he wore that that grief well
1: well he fainted there right is that what they were trying to get across Cause he like he stood know. up and said something, and he was watching like the wall vibrate, and then he, it was like a smash cut to him being in the hospital. Okay,
0: so maybe that's what happened, and I didn't pick up on that because it, it. And I guess maybe that makes more sense. He was in shock at that point. I did not pick up on that though. If that's what happened,
1: well, that whole scene was very strange because I mean I, I saw in your notes too that like, is that how an airport would handle something like that? Like you would think that he would have known if like two planes had just collided like that would have been everywhere
0: oh it would have been all it would have been on the channels I mean just thinking 2000 oh 2020 in January I Iran accidentally shut down their own air like passenger plane that was huge news like if two planes crashed in midair one of them like it was in America like it's presumably like near Pittsburgh or something because that guy was and he was in Columbus and the guy was air the scooter was part of the reason why he was distracted was he was calling Pittsburgh like it was in his area that this happened
1: yeah that's it was very strange you would think that news of that would have traveled like he and and that's the other thing was they how were they gonna find him unless he had like wandered up to the up to the booth and been like hey this plane's delayed but there's no updated time what's the deal and they were like maybe you should come with us like, were, were they just going to let him sit in the lobby for hours waiting?
0: Right. The the only thing that I can think that would explain it is like literally he was walking in 20 minutes after a crash and like they were like, you know, fire trucks are still getting out there to see what happens because they couldn't say definitively his family had died. That's the only way that I see it would make sense. But I don't know, <laughs> like, that that's the only way because otherwise he would have had to hear it on the radio or something.
1: Yeah. You'd think I did like the way that they told this, this, like the story of like that same 30 minutes kind of parallel with the, the two characters doing like a, a oh yeah full sweep and then doing like a 30 minute flashback and doing it all over again.
0: Yeah. I, before we get on to scooter, I will say, what I think also helped make me feel so bad for Arnold was he played a really good, like, excited grandpa to see his wife who, who hadn't seen it in a while and, like, soon-to-be grandpa to see his daughter. Like, he seemed jolly. Like, it was—I think that's why it was, like, so crushing when you see him him sad. And then you, you're you right. You flip over to Scooter, and you're expecting, at least when you read the premise of this, like, this guy's going to be horrible, and he's not.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I, I think— I felt worse for him for almost the entirety of this movie.
0: <laughs> the only time I didn't feel bad was in the very beginning when they were talking about the bear he had as a child. That got weird.
1: Yeah, that was a little strange.
0: But from that point on, you're right. Like he is, he has his own tragic story by an accident that you know could have been prevented by him, but also it was everyone else around him dropped the ball, and then all the fingers got pointed at him for being the person trying to hold five things together.
1: Yeah. That's what, like I felt so bad that there was literally nothing he could have done. Like I I feel like it cannot be legal to leave a single person manning all those consoles in an air traffic control tower.
0: Dude, you would think, and my, my memory is hazy on this, but I, I remember when I was in law school, we read some cases about basically like, like air traffic controllers would just fall asleep on the job and cause crashes. And you're like, how does it co Are they the only ones there? You, th- you think they would have at least since those accidents implemented something where you're not having one guy run the flight pass or like pilots are not just descending without authorization from the, the, um, the, the flight tower, because you know something might be going on like you can just hang up in the air for an extra couple minutes
1: yeah i mean this this was columbus and that's like it's not a small airport like i'm pretty sure it's an international airport
0: it used to be i I don't know if it still is i guess it would
1: have to be if if they were coming in from like the ukraine or from russia right yeah i mean i did like a friend of mine works at a bank and i know she always tells me like sometimes they can't take breaks because it's legally not allowed for only one person to be clocked in at a time and well
0: that's that's a little more dangerous than air traffic control yeah
1: well i mean still though it's you're (laughs) responsible for all these people's lives up in the air like I, I i don't know it's just it's strange to me that that guy could just be like all right i'm gonna go also the phones are all dead
0: Right, someone comes in and he's like, hey man, I'm, I'm killing the phones. And then literally a, a minute later he was like, H- hello, oh, phones are dead. I can't figure out why. It's like, <laughs> that guy just told you. Uh,
1: but yeah, he gets put in this impossible situation and then he get, gets kind of branded as like a murderer, even though it was definitely just an accident.
0: Right, the company basically threw him under the bus where... Yeah I mean it. it that, that had to have been rough for him But in this the this Part of that scene when everything Was happening that I just thought was so striking Was when you're Just watching the airplanes basically on Some, for, some sort of radar where they're just like Ticks and then like you see him Hit and then just silence Because normally in these movies especially with Arnold It's an explosion it's an event But I think that silence just speaks to that movie Where it's like oh man this like the silence Is deafening
1: yeah i agree i was waiting because i it's not really clear where they were in at that point but i was waiting to see like him looking at the screen and there'd be like an explosion in the distance over his head or something like out the window and yeah it was it was nothing you're just left with that yeah like you said that silence
0: and it's crazy because like 200 and some people died and it's just like you just see it on a screen which it like literally means nothing but you know it's such a loss of life uh, right after this scene though is one of my biggest complaints of the movie, which is this is only an hour and a half movie, and I I think it's too long. They, it felt like they extended every scene by thirty seconds just to keep this runtime on because, literally after this crashes, the or after you see the scene with the uh, two blips happen and like the plane crash. They just recap what happened again for like two minutes, which is completely unnecessary.
1: Yeah, so I was wondering about that too, and it, like, I was trying to think of what a different movie it would have been if his story had started there, instead of showing us in the, like, in the tower, and I, then I think you, the movie could have spun itself as in like, oh, he's all torn up about this, but... Is that really... Like, was it his fault or wasn't it what really happened in there? But, the yeah, the movie shows us exactly what happened. And so it, like, it, it lets us in and allows us to feel bad for him instead of painting him as a bad guy. But, yeah, that... Like, that scene where they're, they're going over it, it almost felt like they were trying to say, like, okay, let's get our story straight about this before we go out. But, yeah, they just... They just went over exactly what happened there was no like cover-up there was no like twisting the truth at all they they just went shot for shot for what we had already seen
0: right (laughs) which like in the real world it definitely makes sense for a company to get their story straight and figure out what happens but when you're making a movie and you just watch it you it's literally they show you and then they tell you again like what happened And then from this point on, it's basically, you're like, man, both of these characters really need help. Yeah.
1: Oh my God. Yeah.
0: Like they're both clearly grieving and going through stuff and it's like, how do they deal with it? Which we can get into it, but it seems like the air traffic controller, Jake, uh, does get help and starts to recover. Whereas Arnold basically simmers on it because his big point is literally no one ever has apologized, which is hard to believe that the airline didn't issue some form of apology just as a basic pr move yeah really mom so (laughs) after this happens it it is really you just look at their lives falling apart and i I don't want to get into it because it it is really just sad arnold and then jake's marriage falling apart
1: (laughs) yeah and the airline makes really kind of no attempt to help him they just, no, just
0: there's a couple words of him being like you should get help and then that's it. yeah they're
1: like it we we've it, i mean it seems like the guy who was his like manager or whatever had talked to his wife it was like i know me and your wife agree that you're having some trouble maybe you should get help and he's like uh yeah maybe and they're like all right well on to business how would you like another life oh my gosh they're just like eh, everyone here
0: hates you why don't you go to a different <laughs> town with a different name look, we're not saying it's right, but, uh, you, you go for it.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a real weird turn. Like instead of trying to get out in front of it, they were just, maybe you should leave town for a little while.
0: Right. And like, this guy's clearly depressed, but how many scenes do we need of him trying to not, well, I guess he tries to kill himself in one scene, but it's just like a lot of him contemplating suicide. Like again, with the padding, he goes into a gun store, buys a gun but it's like we have a scene of the salesman trying to upsell him on different types of guns, which is completely unnecessary. The scene is
1: so long. He lists every gun they had in that display case and like the ammo it takes and the total price for everything.
0: And the thing is, Christian, we like they want to get the the point across that he's so sad he's contemplating suicide. And in a later scene, we see him actually take a lot of pills attempt it and then throw them back up why do we need the scene with the gun where the gun never comes into play again until much later unless he's buying the gun for protection but he doesn't even really he, like he keeps it in a nightstand which doesn't scream protection yeah
1: and even when even when we do see it again it's never used for anything no he doesn't even it really just, get to hold yeah, it it just stays in the drawer Right. The movie like reminds us. Oh yeah, remember that time he bought that gun and then <laughs> that's, that's pretty much the end of it.
0: I I really think this movie was originally like an hour and 15 minutes and they're like this we cannot have a theatrical release <laughs> that is shorter than a Pixar movie.
1: <laughs> it did feel much longer than it actually was. That being said, I didn't necessarily mind that cuz this is a a pretty I mean, yeah, it, it is just kind of a crushing character study of these two people, and I did like the time that the movie took to, like, let you breathe a little bit. The, the scene where they go over what you already saw and the scene where the gun salesman is going through every single option, those were a little much, but I did kind of like the, the longer lingering shots of these people just, like, sitting in the chairs staring at the wall or, or, like, Arnold going through his photos again. Those those were good to me they informed like the character and what they were going through but yeah those those two scenes in particular just did feel like padding.
0: Right and and I agree with you like this is definitely a character study and I I don't actually dislike this movie. I I chose this one because it is kind of railed upon, like by the internet of like you know bad netflix movies that a lot of people watch for whatever reason so i was like i'll check it out i like arnold but i i don't think this movie as bad as the the critical receptions it's received
1: yeah agreed uh
0: so i i want to get into eventually we get a little bit of a time skip um and it, well actually i don't know if this is after the time skip or not but it's basically the airline's response to the survivor the surviving families and with their lawyers and the negotiations and i i want to go over this because i thought the scene was ridiculous
1: yeah these lawyers were a lot
0: number one the lawyers were horrible people and i i actually don't think this is a realistic representation of how this would go down an airline one of these airlines employees was responsible for the death of 270 people. They are facing a multi million dollar lawsuit. Everyone else is banded together except Arnold. All Arnold wants is an apology, and their decision is to send like the biggest jerk lawyers out there <laughs> who are la- kind of laughing at him. I don't think any attorney who's dealing with a lawsuit like this would be laughing because Arnold holds all of the cards. Yeah.
1: Yeah, these guys um, were awful, like, right from the jump. And it, it was super played up. And, yeah, like you said, all, like, all he wants is somebody to say they're sorry, and he would probably go away.
0: Right. The only reason I could see if they would be like, well, we won't have someone say they're sorry because that acknowledges liability. I still think there would be some way, like, they would be willing to work around it, but their their monetary offer to him is insultingly low. <laughs> they offer him, I think it's 160,000 total and i can't remember if it was like 80,000 for his pregnant daughter and 70,000 for his wife that doesn't add up what, whatever it was it was 90 90 70 it was something like that where total 160,000 uh i'm just going to say christian i and i can't get into too much specifics on this but i have worked cases where it's like just the error of like a possibility of a potentially wrongful death an insurance without anyone representing them has paid one hundred fifty thousand <laughs> dollars. This was a much more tenuous case, and this was someone who was probably more along the lines of Arnold's wife. They don't even take into the account, and I guess I don't know how much, how many months pregnant they said his daughter was. But usually, in these scenarios, like if you go to a jury trial they you have to do a calculus of how much a life is worth which is hard but the younger you are the more that life is worth so like they legitimately like he should be facing at least a million dollars in settlement charge if not more if this goes to jury like you know he's getting like two three million dollars
1: yeah i kept waiting for him at some point to acknowledge that they had not acknowledged the the unborn baby at all
0: Right, and maybe the baby was too young and it's one of those things where it wouldn't have been considered. I, I don't know that much, but if it was like pretty far along, I know that would be considered because that's considered when like a murder happens of a pregnant woman, you get also charged with the murder of an infant.
1: Yeah, I was I was surprised. Like like you said, they never say what yeah, how far along she is, but I, I expected him at least to bring it up, like, Oh, you wanna give me money for these two people, what about the third person?
0: Right. And that's one of those things where it's like, I understand it's a movie, but it's one where I'm like, I I really just because of my field, I feel like it would have been at least a little bit more sympathetic and a little bit higher of a payment. And the only reason I guess I could see them going that way is he didn't have an attorney representing him. So they he did not take it. They did not take him seriously, yeah. but
1: they say at the jump, like, we're going to give you the same treatment we gave everybody else. But I mean, who knows if that's actually true or not.
0: I mean I'll tell you it's not. <laughs> um so after all this we get a time skip of 1 year and uh we see how the characters change. Did you think the change between them was like believable?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean I I thought Jake had like a real character arc. He had some real growth. He got into his new life at his new job and his new town and and seemed to have gotten the help that he needed and was kind of turning it around. I thought they were gonna give Arnold the same growth when he was talking to that guy at the memorial and he's saying, like, Oh, how did you get through it? And he's like, Oh no, I I it gets better, trust me, I know from experience. And so I was like, Oh cool, he got like he got help too and he found his motivation, but it turned out his motivation was something else. Yeah. And I guess I don't know much about journalism, but he
0: gets where Jacob, now known as Pat, after he goes into <laughs> criminal whatever the civilian version of criminal protection (laughs) is um and she just like gives him up isn't that like a violation of your journalistic like integrity to protect sources that's
1: absolutely a violation of journalistic ethics like there's no way arnold could be like i need your help tracking him down and she'd be like you got it bud Uh,
0: you're probably just going to show him the picture (laughs) you're definitely not going to have any other motive
1: yeah, I don't. And but I don't know. I mean, I guess we can we can get into what happened there. Like it seemed to me at first like that was all he wanted and then he had like a break with reality.
0: True, but but he also will... just
1: had happened to have that knife on him at the time.
0: Right, which is like if he had like punched him to death or you know just beat him to death with his bare hands i would agree with you more but he did bring a knife with him which led me to believe if he did like he at least thought if he did not get the response he wanted he was going to you know stab this man to death uh did, i actually also just thought jake's reaction to finally conf- being confronted by like one of the surviving victims was unrealistic like he seemed repentant and just devastated the whole movie even while he was recovering and then when arnold confronts him he's sort of a jerk and it just felt like they did that as a justification for you to be like okay i can see why arnold stabbed him
1: yeah i i went back and forth on that like i i definitely agree with you it seemed like he did a kind of a heel turn there but i also wonder what my response would be like no matter how repentant i was what my response would be if some dude showed up at my doorstep after. A year and was waving a picture in my face demanding an apology and like my family's in the room with i'd probably just want him out of there too
0: true yeah i I guess i could see it either way but uh you are right arnold clearly does have a like a mental break either after he kills him or before
1: yeah it's it's like he when he slapped that picture out of his hand he had like a full-on psychotic episode um because he he started calling maggie grace his own wife's name and he was referring to the the little boy as his daughter's name and then i did like it was kind of clever that they ended up recreating that photo that he'd been carrying around
0: see i i didn't notice that and i saw that in your notes and i i wish i had paid attention
1: yeah like the two of them are curled up on the one side of the couch and it's like he sees it and just goes and sits in the place where he knows he's supposed to be it, like it felt a little bit forced i feel like it could have they, they maybe could have taken another step or two to make it a little more natural but it i i thought it worked either way i, I, I really liked it
0: and so if you think this is the end of the movie you're wrong <laughs> this movie has another 10 year time skip
1: yeah i needed them to confirm that for me because arnold looks exactly the same
0: right and arnold is theoretically 70 when the when he murders yeah. this guy and he's like should be like 80 now and he is in shape for a man of <laughs> that age uh arnold also only got 10 years for first degree murder
1: yeah that was i mean he got he got i guess a lot more than that he but that's what the the lawyer comes in at the beginning he's like oh they reduced your sentence so much i never expected it you could be out of here in a couple months
0: oh okay i was as half paying attention at that part so he got reduced he got released on probation early okay so a little bit better i guess yeah uh and so he gets out of jail and then jake's son hunts arnold down and tries to kill him and the whole time this hap- was happening, I was like, oh my gosh, this is between, or The Place Beyond the Pines, the the movie we watched earlier this year that just had random time jumps and kids trying to kill their father's murderer. That
1: is exactly what I thought of. When when they did the 10 years, t- when he said, like, it's, when the lawyer said it's been 10 years, I thought he was saying, oh, you got 10 years, and now they're going to reduce your sentence but then yeah the kid shows up and he's walking around and i'm like that's gonna be the he's actually been in jail for 10 years and then yeah the kid walks up to him and and arnold says something like oh i haven't been to the cemetery in 11 years i was like holy crap yeah
0: it's it's even the same like message of beyond the pines of like the kid deciding not to get revenge for his father and like breaking the circle of violence it's it's the same exact message yeah I did, I did like this better than well, Between the Pines. I was going to say,
1: they did this one a lot better than they did Between the Pines.
0: We didn't have three generations to pay attention to <laughs> in this one. Oh,
1: man. Uh,
0: so, the one thing I want to go over before we finish up is that this is very loosely based on a, a true story where, um, I guess, an air traffic controller in Switzerland caused two planes to crash into each other. And then one of the... Um, the, the family members uh this one of the people who died's family members like arnold's character was a german guy who hunted the guy down and murdered him in front of his family oh, um but his justification was like that the air traffic controller was completely unrepentant and just extremely arrogant whereas like he said that they made this guy like way more sympathetic and he wouldn't have done that but this guy who hunted down and murdered another man he got 8 years and only served 2 oh wow <laughs> I think he was then elected to, like, a board or something. Like, he seemed like he had a pretty successful career afterwards. Oh, boy. Not not the story I was expecting. (laughs) Uh, So, just real quick before we finish up here, do you know what the budget and box office of this were, Christian?
1: Yeah, so the budget was $10.5 million. I can't... I can't imagine where that would have gone other than just paying arnold schwarzenegger it's not like that this had is, to have been a yeah, this is this is not like a heavy cg movie uh the box office was only six hundred seventy four thousand. so oh man yeah they didn't even make a tenth of their money back
0: it was a huge flop and you're that has to mostly be arnold because they've they filmed in 10 locations yeah right like they did not have that many locations to shoot and they're like we Sped our explosion budget on Arnold here.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's I'm I'm stunned by that number. It's still bad in the box office. And like the I guess Arnold still has like big star power where he can command that kind of kind of respect, but I think about the movies he's been in, especially more recently, and none of them are very good.
0: Well, speak I actually pulled the past Arnold movies of uh basically everything he's been in since 2014 and his production actually really picked up in 2019. But so going, going back in time, he was in Terminator dark fate in 2019. Um, he was in journey to China mystery of the iron mask in 2019, which I have no idea what that is. (laughs) He was in killing Gunther in 2019. Again, no idea what that is. He was in aftermath in 2018 terminator Genesis in 2015, maggie in 2015 and then the expendables 3 in 2014
1: (laughs) yeah i mean outside of the terminators the only one of those i've even heard of is expendables i think the last thing i remember him being in was was it it called escape i think it was like him and uh maybe it was stallone that were locked in like a mega high security prison and they had to try and get out
0: Maybe. I, I don't know. I was looking through his stuff and he, like he, since the, since basically he became governor, he had like, uh, he stopped putting out as many movies. He, he released three while wow governor between 2003 and 2011. And that was, uh, I I'm guessing actually mostly small parts. He, cause I know he was in the first expendables, but he basically was a cameo. yeah Uh, he was in around the world in 80 days, and the kid and i which he was played arnold in it so i'm wondering if that was like a documentary
1: Hmm. well yeah the one i'm thinking of was escape plan that was 2013 so that just missed the cutoff for the ones you pulled but um the his cameo in expendables was great because he comes in for like a minute he's real grumpy and like unaccommodating and bruce willis asks what his problem is and sylvester stallone just says he wants to be the president (laughs)
0: <laughs> right like i don't know Arnold arnold's good um it just he it seems like he's doing way like much smaller movies now
1: yeah i mean maybe he's made his money and now he's just like i i can make the movies i want to make and say no to a bunch of other stuff
0: yeah i know he does a lot of like f- uh, like philanth. oh gosh i don't know that word i know he does like a lot of charity stuff um he has uh, like the bodybuilding, but with like special people, with special needs and all that stuff. So I, I know he's just not a movie star at this point, Um, but let's, getting back to aftermath, I just want to go for the critic and audience score and then then finish up if we recommend it on Rotten Tomatoes. The critics have this at a 41% and the audience at a 25%, which surprised me a little bit, but I think I bet a lot of people went into this expecting what we did with like a taken but with Arnold yeah. and got this instead. <laughs> So, would you recommend our audience check this out?
1: I'm genuinely shocked that, to say that yes, I would.
0: Yeah, I I actually, like, I don't hate this movie. I think it's a pretty pretty good movie, and, like, it's worth a watch, but I think this is one you have to be in the mood for. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't think you can just pop this on and you'll be into it. Um, but, yeah, I, I would actually probably recommend this as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's much more human drama than I'd expected, but I, I really do have very little to complain about.
0: Right. It's, it's definitely, I think, better than twenty five percent. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> All right, Christian. This week, you watched the new, uh, the Netflix original, Space Force. How is this? I've, I've heard a lot about it.
1: It's adequate. <laughs> Uh, it's it's not amazing. It's definitely not as good as I was hoping that it would be. But I still found it pretty enjoyable.
0: So I I literally know nothing about this other than Steve Carell's in it and involves a space force. Is this a sci-fi thing or is this like present day him taking over a newly formed space force? It
1: is that. It's present day. Okay. He, he is at the beginning of this. Gets promoted to be a four-star general, which means he gets to command a new service branch, or he gets to command a service branch. And he is assuming that he is going to be taking over the Air Force, which is where he was enlisted. But instead, uh, he is shuffled into the newly formed Space Service branch, which <laughs> is widely regarded by pretty much everyone in the movie to be a tremendous joke.
0: So wait, this is a movie?
1: Or no, I'm sorry, the uh, TV show. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, okay. That, that That's what I was like, oh, man, I really don't know what this is about. Uh <laughs> Is this like a serialized comedy or or you know like is there an ongoing sh- sorry is this a like a sitcom or is this, like a serialized show?
1: Uh so there there is like overarching plots but n- it really is just kind of like a problem of the week facing the the space force and Steve Carell uh the US is racing China to the moon he w- like they they're trying to beat uh, China to develop a lunar habitat for semi-permanent stay uh, but, and then like right at the beginning the Ch- there's a giant Chinese space station that comes along and like snips pieces off of US satellites <laughs> with like giant pruning shears so that, that was pretty strange uh, he's also in constant conflict with Noah Emmerich who plays the leader of the Air Force that got the job that he wanted or, or I guess kept the job that Steve Crow wanted and he the the deal with them is Noah Emmerich wanted to take over Space Force and let Steve Carell have the Air Force, and so really neither of them got what they wanted. He's also butting heads with his chief scientist, who's played by John Malkovich, who is far and away the best character in the show.
0: That well, I guess that doesn't surprise me. But I, I was wondering, how is Steve Carell? Because obviously he's iconic in The Office, but he's not been in a lot since then.
1: No, and he doesn't play, like, the bumbling Michael Scott character. He's a much straighter character. He, he's playing, like, the the gritty general. He, he lowers his voice register a little bit to get more of, like, a tough guy kind of, kind of like a vocal range. But he is still, like, the comedy that he brings is much drier in this. It's mo- much more situational than it is in, in, like, The Office where he just says dumb things.
0: Hmm. Uh, are there any other uh big name stars in this
1: there's a few like i said john malkovic is is my favorite character by a mile uh lisa kudrow plays steve carell's wife and at some point between the opening scene and like present day she gets sent to jail for like 40 years and they literally never say why
0: is she in jail while she's fighting with him
1: yeah a, a little bit like he he keeps going and like going to get visits with her and so that they'll have to have a weird fight about having an open marriage and whatever else but yeah she's she's in prison and they just keep saying oh i'm in here cuz i did a really bad thing but they never actually address what that was
0: huh that is that's an odd choice um, i'm all, i'm now wondering too because you said this is about like the us and china racing to the moon which if I'm not wrong, that was somewhat of a recent thing, right? Like China's like, we're going to the moon. And then the U.S. is like, well, no, we're not letting you do that first.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, they they do a weird back and forth where the, the Chinese are saying, oh, well, we made it to the, like, we're, we're the first people to live on the moon. And they were like, well, we landed on the moon first and we lived in the capsule. And they said, oh, that's not the same. That doesn't count. <laughs> and it, so, it's also definitely based in, like, current events. Like you just said. They never name the president. They always just call him POTUS. But like, it's definitely Trump. They they always keep saying things about like, oh, there's gonna be a tweet about this later.
0: Uh, do they like include any other like politicians, or is it just mostly Trump?
1: It's I mean it's mostly Trump. There's also an uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez character that she she has a different name in the show, but they just keep referring to her as the angry young congresswoman and so like she shows up in the first couple episodes trying to do oversight on space force and you know, like some of that stuff lands and some of it doesn't it's it's funny sometimes and not in other places but it's never really serious when it's not funny it's just kind of nothing
0: and that's probably like the worst thing to have on a comedy like at least if it's bad you know it's bad like it, it just sounds like it's boring
1: yeah i mean it ends on a cliffhanger and i'm definitely gonna watch season two if they make it i'm like i'm into it enough for that it's just it feels like there were some missed opportunities and it could have been much funnier than it actually was um (laughs) maybe i'm just not in the mindset for it right now either (laughs) maybe uh Uh, the only other thing i wanted to say about this as an interesting little side bit there was a story the other day that came out that Netflix may have beaten the U.S. government to get the Space Force trademark with the show.
0: I, I saw an article on this, and I think that's kind of funny. Yeah,
1: like I guess the, the trademark goes with, like, first in use gets like, gets the win, and so this came out before anything else was filed by the government, and so Netflix kind of won. Like the For, for their part, the leader of the Air Force, I think, came out and said, uh, we're not really aware of any conflict here. We wish them the best in their in their comedy, but uh like we're gonna keep doing what we're doing.
0: Could you see like them releasing YouTube videos like DARPA does now? And those like Netflix's copyright striking <laughs> the, like <laughs> the United States government's YouTube channel.
1: <laughs> that would be amazing.
0: I'm sorry, you it it's good it's been completely deleted. Yeah. <laughs> what the, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, Would you recommend our audience check this out?
1: I think I would. I think if you don't get into it by like the second or third episode, you're probably not going to. The second episode was one of the best ones. They, They try to save the satellite that got beat up by the Chinese space station. And the only people up there that they can call on are a space chimp and a space dog that they sent up like a week ago as a science mission. And they try to like on-the-fly train the chimp to use like a welding torch oh man (laughs) it was a very weird episode but it it, like that was probably one of the funnier moments so like like i said if you don't get into it on on episodes two or three you probably can like jump ship after that
0: All right, and this week I watched a documentary. I think it was released back in 2017. It's uh, on Netflix, and it's only 40 minutes, so it's a it's a nice quick watch. And I just want to go over the the basic premise real quick. It, there's not a, not a ton going on it on it. It's just like one of those stories that are a little. It's just so strange that it happened. Um, or I guess not that it happened. It's strange how uh, it got resolved. I should say. So Longshot is the story about a man who was arrested in Los Angeles. And this was, I, I want to say, it was the mid-2000s because Curb Your Enthusiasm was still filming when this happened. Mm-hmm. So I don't know the exact year. Uh, but he goes into work with his girlfriend to uh, his dad's metal shop he works at. And he gets arrested and, is ba- and gets charged for the murder of uh, this woman. The only connections they have with him to this case are uh, he was his his brother had previously been arrested for gang-related activity, um, and this this man is Hispanic. Uh, so I think I think profiling comes into it a little bit too here. But his brother had been arrested on some form of gang activity, and this woman was supposedly uh, or not supposedly she did she she uh, testified at his trial, but. From what we at least see in the documentary, she didn't like identify his brother or anything. She basically said, I didn't know what was going on. She was called, didn't do anything. Uh, She was eventually killed. The person she was with, because she was standing on the street, was a friend at the time. He created a police composite sketch. He didn't know the shooter. And based on the composite sketch, it sounds like they saw that um, it looked kind of like this guy's brother, so they arrested him and charged him with uh, the murder of this woman. Uh, Of course, he says he's completely innocent, and when they start piecing the story together, it turns out that he was at a Los Angeles Dodgers baseball game that day, and so the Dodgers actually worked with his defense attorney. Like, his defense attorney did a lot of work on this. Hmm. Um, they were looking at all the ML, like the shots from the game that was on TV that night. They couldn't find anything. This is back before HD, so everything is so blurry and standard Def. Uh They look through all that. They don't see anything. They know what general section he was supposed to be at, but, you know, there's, I think they said there's like 20,000 people in attendance. So it's, you know, jam packed. So the Dodgers here, like, they contact the Dodgers. They're like, okay. Sure. We have these cameras that show the fans and stuff for like kiss cam. You're welcome to look through all of our videos on that. They look through it and they eventually they find a, you know, it, it kind of looks like him, but probably not enough. Like it's, it's not the smoking gun you want to be like that guy was there. Uh, and so they're, they're talking to him and he's like, someone was filming something that night. It was weird because they kept like running in between like batters and stuff like that. And so, it turns out Kirby Enthusiasm was filming in his section that night. Huh. <laughs> and so they go through, they, like, HBO's like, sure, like, we'll help you out, or Larry David, I guess, more so. It's like, we'll help you out if you come in. We will we can go through the tapes we have. And eventually they get it literally, like, he passes Larry David on one of the shots. Like, he stands in front of it. It's like, you know, the best evidence you could ever, you could hope for in this situation to prove that you were where you said you were, you were at this baseball game that night. Uh, the prosecution does not drop the case because they only have the video, which is like two hours before the murder. And then they have cell phone location that puts him at the stadium at like 10 15. But the the woman was murdered at 10 45, which I guess I don't know how far of a drive it was, but you know, it seems like he, it doesn't seem like a strong case for the prosecution, but they refuse to drop it at that point. Um, and this doesn't even really go to a trial. Uh, judge who was listening to it ended up dropping um, it at like a preliminary hearing by stating like the prosecution didn't have enough as of evidence to justify having this man go to trial. So uh, also, eventually, he got a three hundred thousand dollar settlement for uh, what he was put through because he's put he was in jail for you know the entirety of this investigation
1: what what should they have done at that point when they got that video? like should they have just let him go and and like started from scratch? is I don't know what any kind of the procedure dealing with that would be.
0: Right. And so you don't hear exactly what they do, but from a couple of the things that I pieced together from they had some of the uh, lead detectives testimony from um, the settlement case because that's a civil suit from some of the stuff they said and some of the very specific wording that the prosecutor used while doing interviews on this, what I think happened was that the prosecutor, well, I think the pros- number one, the prosecutor had a hundred percent conviction rate. So I don't, the job of a prosecutor is to uphold justice. And you are only supposed to really go after people who you feel like you can prove did it, or, you know, you think you did it. You're not supposed to put innocent people you know that the evidence doesn't suggest are innocent on trial um so it looked it seems like her main tactic in getting her 100 conviction rate on murders was she would bring people in and immediately threaten the death sentence and in that case a lot of people even if you're innocent you know you might consider pleading out and he he did not but that's a i think that's a bit of a shady tactic right there because On your first interview with someone, if you're just you're saying death sentence right there, you're just trying to get someone to confess. You're not trying to find the truth. But so, I, I, you know, I think she was very aggressive. And when the new evidence is coming to light, she was still it seemed like she's still pushing for the death sentence. Like she had an interview where she's like he admitted he was on that street that night. But she doesn't say like when like he could be like one of the more you know hours after it to drop someone off. Also like how long is this street? Like I know some streets in L.A. are miles long. So she seemed overzealous. <laughs> to put it nicely, I guess.
1: This this is just a, an amazing story about of all places where your salvation is going to come from is the curb your enthusiasm like B-roll.
0: Right. I mean. <laughs> Literally, this is as close to a miracle as you can get in this situation. Because if he goes to trial, I don't think she has strong evidence. But if he doesn't have that video, you know what happens to him? Like he, he's an innocent man, is facing the, the the death penalty.
1: So he won that thirty thousand or three hundred thousand dollars settlement against the police. Now, settlement's not trial, right? So they they wouldn't have had to like admit any wrongdoing or anything.
0: No, but it does seem like they got to the point in the settlement process where he, my guess is he filed a suit against the city of Los Angeles Police Department, and they got to the point where they at least did depositions of his uh, arresting officers or detectives. I guess they're detectives, detectives who were talking to him and interrogated him. Uh, So the best that I can piece together what happened was um, the person who saw the guy who murdered the girl he couldn't actually identify the guy they arrested he did a composite sketch and based entirely on the composite sketch they arrested the innocent man which is not the best way to start creating a case because it <laughs> you know a composite sketch is its own thing um but when they brought in this like the sketch of him and uh like the cards so when you when you do lineups now you don't really always go into a room and you have a bunch of people line up it's usually like you have cards with people who look alike and you have the witness pick the card right um and so they came in with like a lineup of faces encircled it but in one of the things you you kind of catch really quickly that the witness didn't actually identify the guy they arrested but they made it imply that they did when they were saying like the death sentence because they're like circling it and the the assumption of the the person being interrogated is like someone picks you out doing it, and so and the prosecutor the whole time when she does her interviews is saying like we had strong evidence we had hit we were charging him based on a reliable witness's composite sketch she didn't say that the witness identified him, this is entirely based on the Witness's memory at a very, like, uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, tragic, but even like more than that, like something where, like, you're fearing for your own life, right? Like, are you paying attention to every detail that's going on? Because he said he ran away when the shooting started. Is he like getting the best details down of this guy who's shooting? Uh, and that is entirely what they base their case off of, and then use. More or less conjecture that because his brother went to jail and this person had been at his trial, that this was a reprisal killing.
1: Yeah, this seems pretty shady.
0: I mean, it's very tenuous. Uh, it's not a case that I think most prosecutors would go for, <laughs> or at least that I don't think is a case most prosecutors should go for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a very interesting documentary if you want to see about like how the criminal justice system itself can be pretty biased um, towards this guy just because his brother had been, no, it's only 40 minutes. But, you know, they seemed entirely like this guy's brother is in gang activity. He's probably in gang activity because he had been arrested when he was 16 as a getaway driver on like a robbery or something. Um, And they definitely were profiling him because the picture they chose was like, the, the composite sketch was like a, like a, Hispanic man of medium build with a mustache, (laughs) you know, and they're like, yeah, that's him. And it's like, it's such a generic description. Like you could find so many people who would feasibly like be within that range, you know. It's it's not like they had a picture of him or something, (laughs) or sorry, a photograph of him. They did have like a drawing of someone's memory, (laughs) and just to really put anything to doubt, um, it was either a state. A state program or the fbi ran something against i think it was ms 13 it was it was one of the one of the gangs and basically one of those people admitted to killing that girl to as like a reprisal for being a witness on like something unrelated to this guy
1: yeah so i mean he was i guess fully exonerated then by the end right <laughs> oh boy All right, Christian. Before we head out, what are you checking out this week? Well, uh, I finished Space Force. That was on my list. I wasn't sure if I was going to get that done in time. Uh, I have been watching Love Life on HBO. It's a new show that they're releasing like three episodes a week, uh, and it's it's Anna Kendrick. Kind of, it's like each episode is about a boyfriend that she has through her life. So it's it's all right. I'll it's good enough that I'll stick with it till the end at least uh otherwise i don't have much i've been working on my house a lot i'm (laughs) depending on uh how interesting things are at the movie theater when i start working there again this week i may end up getting through a lot of books that i'll be able to talk about
0: nice um i i'm honestly i haven't been doing much either i've been uh pretty much like june july and august are my busy seasons at work so like after my day at work I don't want to do anything and then I try and work out after work too so I don't I just I don't want to like actively watch anything at that point so I've been bouncing around until I find something that hooks me I'm still reading a couple of those books I mentioned last week one about Palmer Lucky and VR and one about um I guess like a serial serial rapist I'm only like 50 pages in and it's about like the cops hunting him so I, I don't know where that's going yet um and then, I, I've been playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, very fun, but it's not scratching the itch like I hoped it had, and I, I recently picked up a game called Shantae and the Seven Sirens, I, it was originally an Apple Arcade original, but it came to Switch, and it's like a Metroidvania-like game, and it's actually really fun, it's it's not what I was expecting, I always had sort of a lower opinion on these games, until I watched a couple of videos of them, because I, I thought they were just like... Uh, I guess they're kids' games, but I thought they were something completely different based on the art. And but it's actually a very, very well-made game.
1: Nice. I guess I should also say my Switch did come last week, so I've been playing. Oh, nice. That. I have uh, uh, Smash Brothers. Yeah, I, I played Smash with uh, one of the guys from high school last week. That was nice. Um, I also buckled down and bought Animal Crossing, so that's been taking up some some time.
0: How is it? Because I, I think I was talking to you last week about that, and you weren't sure if you'd like it or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely addictive in that you just are doing mundane tasks, and it's kind of relaxing. <laughs> uh, I started Breath of the Wild, and I'm not a huge fan of it so far, but I'll, I'll stick with it for a little longer.
0: Yeah, Breath of the Wild never like drew me to play it, and it's one of those games where everyone's like, this is one of the best games ever, and it's just like, I don't know. It just doesn't interest me and I feel kind of bad and I'm like, well, if it's supposedly one of the best games ever like I should play it just so I have context for talking about it, but I just can't draw my like bring myself to play it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's I've never played a Zelda game before this one, but it's definitely a game that you are just kind of dropped right at the beginning with no information or explanation of anything. And so I'm just kind of wandering around this plateau And I'll beat up these little frog monsters that try to attack me, and they drop fangs and things. And I'm like, I don't know what they're for, but I'll like I pick them up. Maybe some at some point I'll learn. (laughs) Uh,
0: I I wonder how Animal Crossing would have done if it didn't come out like literally right as the (laughs) pandemic and all like the shutdown started because that seemed like it was legitimately like it. The cultural phenomena online like there were so many reddit and twitter posts about people being like i'm playing animal crossing and like as an escape
1: <laughs> yeah that was like the thing I, I remember people saying like oh you know we've we've only got like one and a half weeks of lockdown but then animal crossing comes out and so everything's gonna be okay <laughs>
0: Right. So it's it's interesting like how that timing happens and I wonder if it would have been as big because I think it was like one of the Switch's best sellers this year. Yeah.
1: It was Animal Crossing and Tiger King. They were the, the relief that we needed. Yeah.
0: Oh my this is how long. I know like we're <laughs> lifting the the restrictions and stuff, but tiger king feels so long ago but that was that was i think the first week that i had the full quarantine
1: yeah that's what i was i was just talking to i think my mom about it and she sent me like an article that carol baskin won uh joe exotic zoo last week right. and i was like oh, are we still talking about tiger king it's been forever and then i thought about it it's like it's been like a month
0: <laughs> right like it stuff that long it just feels it feels so long yeah So we're sitting around my house somehow makes time feel longer than going out. All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. If you'd like to contact us, we are gambots.blog at gmail.com or we're at Gambots Network on Twitter. If you want to suggest an Amazon review game, we will probably end up using it. Otherwise, we have a website now at scambotsnetwork.com. We put on reviews that uh, cover stuff either we talk about on the show or things we don't ever get around to talking about. And if you're listening somewhere where you can either subscribe or rate to the podcast, we'd appreciate it, as that does help with visibility. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.